Culture Podcast with Alaska, Curly Castro, and Zilla Rock. Shablam, shablam, we are Call Out Culture. We are, we don't have a tag, but we call out the cult and the cult calls us out. That's the worst thing I've said mm. in weeks. I agree. I am Curly Castro. We don't need Zilla Rock as a grant. I'm here with my man Zilla Rocker and yes. my man Alaska. And to, today we have one of our illustrious guests. He's been on the pod a number of times. The one and only time. Billy Woods. Coming I'm, off. I'm uh, glad you saved your worst intro of all time for me. <laughs> Definitely. I'm flattered and I'm happy to be here. The one, the only, the unique, the solo standing. You're on mute or something. I don't know. That didn't work. All right. What the so hell tonight, what? what? Uh, you could, I couldn't hear anything you just said. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Alaska, he can hear me, right? You heard yeah, what yeah, I said. You're right? fine, yeah. Oh, never mind. So, he just, so you just cut off all my momentum. Because I you wish I here. hadn't heard, if that counts. The indomitable. There it is. The also, the very rude good friend. The one and only. Inimitable. <laughs> Billy Woods. Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. I don't have my thesaurus in front of me. And it's turned, today... It's, it's, turned, it's turned into a Busta Rhymes verse. The indomitable, <laughs> ubiquitous, inscrutable. <laughs> Yo, do y'all watch his Instagram? Uh, he gets so hyped for these new videos. Like, he has a new video with Mariah Carey. It's the worst. Anyway, tonight's Busta episode... Rhymes type in a video? You don't say. <laughs> tonight, I wanted to do something um, a little unique. Woods is coming off this um, incredible record he did with uh, Elucid and The Alchemist. Him and Elucid as Arm and Hammer. They put out a record called Haram. We're going to chat about that really quick. But tonight's episode, I wanted to talk about the event horizon that is Backwood Studios and how it started from a young man's idea. Mm. And now it is appearing to uh, being swelled into a movement. Um, a lot of good fan support. Um, intelligent rap fans. I, I appreciate Backwoods for gathering intelligent rap fans because it's not easy being a Backwoods fan. You know, you gotta you gotta strap in. You signed, you know, you signed a contract and you didn't read the fine print, and that's on you. But now you mm. know. It's one of the most backhanded compliments I've ever heard. I don't, I don't know what's happening. It's not easy liking you guys, but you know. No, all right, all right. Let me stop. Let me These are the times when you wish. You know, because your manager is like, what, you know, they're like, what is the interview again? And you're like, oh, no, don't worry, it's my dude. And now I'm just like, you know, that's what I pay these people for. I should no, listen. Um, the me- the me Mensa stop. approved. She definitely let starts screening calls when they come from call out culture. All right, enough. <laughs> let me stop being tongue in cheek. But no, we are, um, I'm, I'm also on the label and I feel like we're at the cutting edge or the forefront of the artistic um, movement in, the un- in underground hip hop and beyond. Um, I'm very proud to be a member of Backwoods Studios and um, you know they're helping uh, usher in my artistic movement. I'm being redundant, but um, you know, I just wanted to talk about the, um, the impetus of the label when you hit your stride and current day operations. Okay. Okay. Where do you want to start? All right. Um, my let's just start from the beginning. What 
Because in the time that you started Backwood Studios, I'm pretty sure starting labels wasn't like um, in vogue, per se. So wh- wh- where did the idea come from? To, uh, to it probably was in vogue. I mean, I don't know if I was, I don't know if the idea came from the fact that there was nobody, uh, there was nobody else. There was no other way that I was going to really put my music out. Wow. Um, also part of it. Well, I would say um, a couple things factored into it. One was that although I've been adjacent to the New York indie movement at the time, when things would really start to become visible, as in many places and you know and movements, when things start to become visible to most people, actually manifesting themselves year beforehand. You know what I mean? Mm. So in two thousand. In 2001, when a lot of this stuff, um, you know, whether you're talking about early Def Chuck stuff, anti-pop, um, um, uh, Mush Records, um, Doom obviously taking off, those things had already been manifesting, you know, if you're around people... <laughs> like if you talk to somebody like Aesop, he's like when Operation Doomsday came out, he was disappointed because it was just collections of these singles he already had in his mind. Uh, you know what I mean? So um, yeah. a lot of these things had already been cooking up and I hadn't been a part of it. I just was connected to um, one or two people, primarily being Ford Omega on a personal level. And I was interested in doing my, but I hadn't been to ciphers with these, you know, I wasn't at the ciphers that I hadn't been in. You know, I ciphered with me and Bordel and whoever else came to the apartment. Um, I was living in in Harlem or whatever, but um, a lot of the stuff I had just been doing on my own, I'd still never even been in a recording studio until 2001. Um, And so I think that part of it was that a lot of the relationships, mutual admirations, and rep building that was going on, I just wasn't around for. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't building that sort of rep or creating a scenario where there were a whole bunch of people who were like, yo, there's this guy who's weird and raw, but it's interesting. There wasn't, you know? It was like, I knew. Curious and I, had, enough, and it I wasn't like- really cognizant. I wasn't really, sorry, not to interrupt. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, really yeah. cognizant of any of this. You know, I'm just working and um, and just doing, being creative. And once um, once uh, Cannibal Ox blows up, I'm still in D.C. Like I drove up to go to their shows and whatnot. Um, and um, once Cannibal Ox album drops and then it starts to be an even bigger thing, um, I, at that point, am just thinking, oh, at that point, there's lots of, you know, I'm starting to become aware of all of this sort of, by 2000, all of the different sort of indie movements that are going on. That's really the beginning of me even looking at the internet at all. At that point in time in my life, I didn't even have a computer. Um, But no, what I was going to say, what's, what's curious and, you know, I guess somewhat ironic, is that your style seems like it would have fit like right at home like it seemed like it seemed like that was the perfect um breeding ground for somebody to scoop you up back then 
considering just um like you weren't cognizant of it, but like you were saying, the label's active. They were grabbing people. Um, Alaska. No, but no, that. because again, that's what I'm saying. I think that a lot of those relationships and admiration building and things where maybe oh, you might be like, hey, this person has an unorthodox style. So, but those are those are things that had already been happening before I knew about it. Like uh, Adam's family was a big thing before there was Cannibal Ox. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. all, all of those sorts of things like had already been happening and people had been performing in the same spaces or getting to know each other um, just <clears throat> through the woodwork of even across the country of people. You know, that's the only way people like Soul and LP, to give an easy example, even knew each other is that they were starting to be this under idea of an underground that was not just regional either because of the internet mm -hmm. <clears throat> but um i wasn't part of any crew i didn't know anybody it was just me and vortal um i, I mean not me and vortal vortal had his own thing and i was just a person that he knew um so that being part of it i think the other part of it uh to answer the question of why not um is I don't think that, uh, <clears throat> I, I mean, there were obviously deficiencies in my talents at the time, but I also don't think that um, people really got it, you know, especially at that particular time. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on, especially out here, I feel like, on um, <clears throat> technical rapping in air quotes, you know, not to discount that or anything, but. Um, people were not, if it was going to be unorthodox, I also think it needed to be in a way that mine wasn't, you know, cause you had, um, you definitely had unorthodox artists, but, um, a lot of times their content was more, I don't know, it was different than, it was different than mine, you know, and then artists who were maybe more political or grittier, their style was different than mine. <clears throat> so it didn't yeah. really it didn't really fit. Like if you like say Francis, for example, in 2003, I can give you a million reasons why you just wouldn't have thought about my records at all. And if you were really into, um, I don't know if you were really into, uh, the, say the perceptionists or, um, or uh, <clears throat> or even anti-pop. Mm -hmm. I can tell you other reasons why I would have been like, oh, this isn't, this also isn't there, you know? So there was, there, I don't think that there was a, I don't think that there was a place for me to really land. And also the, there was a lot of political sentiment um, and sort of social commentary going on in indie rap, but in ways that were, demonstrably different from how I was doing it. Oh, you know? Okay. Well, what was, um, you know, like, uh, I think uh, Mellow Music Group has, like, a tagline, like, beautiful, like, the truth. Did you, did you have, like, a tagline for, like, if people ask you... I should also say, to be, I, I, to be totally clear, I should also say it's not like I knew, or also didn't know anyone or know any ways in which to get my music in front of people other than More the people sort of places in New York that I could reach within reach. Who knows if uh, 
made other attempts. But I think from my, uh, and again, I'm sorry to be taking so long to answer your first question, but I think that a big part of starting the label was reflected off of that initial experience where I got really hyped in my mind thinking, like Florida was like, yo, you got to come, yo, you got to come to the studio session. I want you on this song. I spent, I'd be embarrassed to tell you how long I spent working on my verse for this nah, song. That, that master killer, master killer said he worked on that one verse, shadow boxing verse for months. That so when he got right. there, uh, right. I was working on this verse for so long. And you know, you're young and stupid. And in my head, I was going to go in there, drop this verse. Florida talked about how we were going to do this whole project and, he had this idea of this crew of spitomatics that would be like different people, whatever. And I'm just like, oh, I'm going to walk in there. And then the studio was at Electric Ladyland. And I'm mm. walking in there. I'm like, Rhyme. it's like, it's like the movies. It's like, yeah, they my movies. Right? <laughs> yeah. I've never even been in a real studio in my life. And I'm walking right. past the Jimi Hendrix plaque, huge room, rolling up. And then the, 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 being utterly crushed by the events of that evening, really on my way home, I was just like, I just can't be putting myself in that situation. Mm. Um, and I think uh, the third thing is that unlike some of my peers, uh, at that very particular time in my life, I had a little bit of bread, like I had saved a little bit of money um, over the so, previous okay, years. So you could still, so you can still manifest so, you can so I had a little bit of money and that was my plan, you know, and I, and, and so I thought, okay, you know, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. I'm going to start this label. Of course, all that money I had was gone, you know, <laughs> not too long amount of time, but, uh, but yeah. So I think the confluence of all three of those things, you know, I felt that, that, that experience in the studio was such a defeat that I felt like, man, I can't, I can't be doing that again. Mm. The, Okay. Um, real quick, did you have a tagline for the label? Like, um, like I said, Mellow Music has uh, sounds beautiful, like the truth. Did you have like a a phrase that went with backwards studio? Yeah, first, I mean, that doesn't. Did you have to get into that? <laughs> no, really you don't have to share. I just every you know, I just, idea I had when I was twenty two years old is not necessarily <laughs> the greatest, you know. But the phrase, <laughs> the phrase, you know, it was it was like elevator pitch, you know, phrases like, oh, you know, we it was, Def Jokes, it was just motherfuckers uh, aboard. It was just motherfuckers yeah, aboard. Yeah, it was like because motherfuckers. I remember aboard. that. Yeah, because motherfuckers are bored. Def Jokes. Well, hold on, what was that? That was Def for Jokes. Jokes. Tagline was yeah. It was like early, early in the Jokes run. Bored. Yeah, I remember that. I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't either. That's wow. it used to be on like the like the posters or like yo the... y'all are y'all were insane. Y'all were out. y'all were out there, man. I could I imagine these that. meetings with El, Amici, and y'all like, all right, here, I got an idea. <laughs> it starts with a middle finger. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't even remember that. That's funny. That's actually uh, it's a better it's one great. than mine. But yes, there was, a there, there was, and I guess still exists, but it's not something I uh, put an amazing amount of thought into at the time. Okay. Before I get into artist acquisition, gentlemen, y'all have any questions about to, the origin? I want to words about the... Um... Because I, I didn't become aware of Backwoods until probably Reavers slash probably Supercron Flight Brothers is when I kind of put two and two together. And then nothing. And then until history will absolve me to where now, like Castro said, like you, you, your, your brand has 
a certain connotation to it compared to back then when I came across she was like oh like like that's the label putting out this one record I kind of stumbled across and they oh they, they put out this other record I kind of stumbled across but you know now 10 plus years later but what I wanted to know was what I was, you know, watching the Cameron on Drink Champs, which I was rewatching parts of today, which is the most mandatory podcast video of 2021, where Cam said, you know, oh, I, I don't I don't like to have my own artists because when you have artists, their problems become your problems. And so I wanted to know, when did you feel comfortable opening up backwards beyond Billy Woods artists and Billy Woods centric projects? Well, uh, First of all, I, the drink champs thing was cool. I don't know. It would be more, uh, obviously, Cam, control, you know, he makes sure he controls the narrative. And the, yes. Right. That's Cam what I heard. Cam. Nori isn't really a adequate foil for that. Um, <laughs> so it was cool, but it was like, it was cool. It was cool. I, didn't, I feel like there have been other times it's more forthcoming and perhaps more honest. As everything seemed very carefully plotted out, but it was cool. On to your actual question. Um, from the beginning, honestly, that was, if anything, uh, it was a narrowing of focus that, among some other things, that allowed the label to become more successful. Uh, at the beginning, we did, I mean, I never really thought of it as. I was always over ambitious about it, I guess, and thought of it as something where it would be, um, I mean, even a project you'd mentioned right there, the Reavers was, uh, me and my mind thinking we were going to do like a nine person super group album. <laughs> and I have yet been able to even sell a profitable individual record of anybody's, um, so, yeah, I don't know if – I don't think that it was ever that way. In fact, I think maybe it was a little bit of the reverse uh, proved to be beneficial for me. Oh, to to, to narrow it down, to, to not have ah. that many artists under the umbrella. Okay. Or just, yeah, just to be more careful about what I was doing because I feel like there was a time when I'd be like, um, one or two th- – are you really talented and – do I like what you're doing? And, or are you a really cool person who I know and who's enthusiastic about what you're doing? And neither of those things on their own are really enough anymore. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, cause at a certain point, uh, when you're doing a record label like this, it's like sometimes, You know, there's a lot of stuff you lost. You can lose money on, and it um, it really sucks if it's oh you're out there losing money, and the person who you're working with just isn't very dedicated, mm-hmm. um, or isn't working very hard. They're just somebody who you thought was nice at rapping mm-hmm. when you heard them, or good, or like a cool producer, but. They don't actually, like, you want what's going on more than they do, yeah. which is not a criticism. Sometimes you just get so, I'm the type of person who will get really excited and, you know, um, like, Bond was one of the best producers. I don't know if I'd be here if not for him. 
Um, but there was a point at which I had to realize, like, I had a vision for his participation that was not the same as his. Mm-hmm. And so some of the times when I was getting annoyed or being like, why wouldn't this or that or third happen? And it's because that's more what I'm, I want, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that isn't going to work. Um, and similarly, sometimes there's really talented people who you can't do business with. Uh-huh. Yeah, for a, yeah, for a you know, number of reasons. For, for a number and variety of reasons. Um, Alaska, were y'all yeah. aware of Woods at um, some point in Jig's operation? Um, you know, I feel like I met Woods through Vortal, like at some point earlier, um, but it wasn't until like I kind of like stepped away from hip hop for a while that I even like started like hearing uh, about Woods, like I, as an artist. Like, I, you know, I heard of Reavers, I heard of uh, Super Cron. Is that, am I saying it right? Mm-hmm. Super Cron Flower. Yeah, is yeah, I, yeah I, heard, I, I heard of that. That was penetrating the but, you know, world. It was like, the Def Chicks world was a weird world around that time. So it was like, it wasn't connected to anything else that was going on in New York, I don't think. No. Um, it was like very like on its on its own. And I think like, even like in, in a weird way, like Jukes got embarrassed of being part of hip hop almost, it felt like towards the end. Um, mm. But... Like I, th- I think the first person that told me about Woods was um, Chaz Kangas. I don't know if you guys know Chaz Kangas. I know the name. Sure, I'm familiar. Yeah. Sure. And then like then Blockhead and like Cryptic, and then I think it was like. Maybe... I think funny enough, Kirby Dominant. I think I'm. I heard you might have been through him, Supercon. I don't know if he just mentioned it online somewhere. Um, but I remember Kirby saying something. Yeah, I just remember at one point like me and Cryptic. We were at, um, how's it? it's like a, a venue on Delancey Street. I forget the name. It might be the Delancey, if I'm not mistaken. Is that a venue on Delancey Street? I don't even remember. Cryptic and I were talking, like, what are you listening to? We both were like Billy Woods. Mm. And like that, that was probably like a year or two after we kind of like walked away from Hangar 18. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, let's, um, let's hit our first break and then we'll yeah. come back. I want to, um, you know, talk about some of the artists and the aesthetics of Backwood mm. Studios. Sure. You know, gateway. And we'll be right back. We'll call out. Peace, ladies and gentlemen. This is Prem Rock, Wrecking Crew, Shrapnel, all that good stuff. I'm here to tell you about our latest companion piece to the LP on Backwood Studios, entitled Flechette. We got a Murderer's Row on there. We got a new track with Elusive. We got Kenny Siegel. We got Willie Green. We got Blueprint. We got August Fanon. We got Analog Tape Dispenser. We got Jeff Markey. We got Blockhead. We got Small Pro. And we got a verse from Cavalier on there. What more do you need? Honestly, what more do you need? It's pay what you will on Bandcamp, which is which is crazy to me. That's crazy to me. So if you want to enter a zero in there, the goose egg, that's fine. But that's on you. You got to live with yourself. Uh, you know, we appreciate your support. And shout out to Call Out Culture, the best rap podcast in the world. If you disagree, you just didn't listen. Shablam Sadiq. Peace. Shablam Samantha. Billy Woods. All right. Yo, Castro, you just got props from a grab lover. Grab lover, grab lover? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, because he follows me. And I I retweeted 
the Mortimer Plano Blockhead remix, and he said, Very dope, brethren. More fire, many emojis. Bless up, kings. Real roster rap. I only wish I had recorded you in your (laughs) translation of Jamaican Tatwa right there. We have it on here. We can send it to you. We have it. There is records. (laughs) This will be on the beginning. We'll open up the show with me doing Starting with Mortimer Plano. Yeah, how do you how do you Plano. pronounce more and more Plano? It's Plano, 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 Plano. Of course, Plano. I've said it more and more Plano a million times. You now, have. when I'm being recorded, I say Plano. I no, just had um, a glass of red wine. Would you remember that? Seconds, so. You remember that song? Blockhead remembered it. The remix he did. And y'all shot. Um, y'all helped me get the video shot. I did it really quick. Uh, yeah, for, of course. Uh, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And and Blockhead was like, "Yo, Castro, I forgot about this. This is dope." I was like, yeah, we did the damn thing. So people are here now. Like, I'm telling y'all now, um, not to reiterate, but I think, like, I'm up to 900 followers. I got 100 followers, thank you, Woods, since the pre-order announcement Ooh. of Haram in wow. the track I told this now. guy. I mean, I, I guess you could thank me for putting on the album, but just thank Alchemist for being famous. Yes, yes. But yeah, <laughs> yeah since then, I've got 100 more followers since, since we announced the pre-order for the record. So... You know, we hit. Um, all right. Y'all ready? Yeah. Are right, we back in three, two, one? Call out culture. I'm going to talk about with punctuation sound. We back Man, here. Clapping. With an in-depth deep dive. Oh, don't. Don't. No, we still are the only. <laughs> yeah, we are the podcast that will refuse to acknowledge deep dive. We don't, we don't do. We don't say nah, deep dive. With an in-depth at least. Scope. You what? Look, look, we're we unpacking at least. We're not. We're not unpacking. <laughs> we're not diving. We're having conversations. We're examining things. We're, so we're, we're taking an in-depth scope. Yes, uh, and you and okay. you did a dive gesture with your hands when you said that, but you didn't say <laughs> deep dive. But I appreciate that. We're taking an in-depth scope, <laughs> like surgery at, at, at someone's colon. Gonna be <laughs> All right, Woods. What was the um? Let's 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 bring it more to uh, modern day. I wanted to talk the period between, let's say, history will absolve me, and then save yourself. What was the aesthetic you were looking for? Interesting, what you're skipping there. Um, no, I mean, yeah, well, no, 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 no. I have no argument. I, <laughs> I mean, all right, right there, there were plenty of things. No, 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 man, no, Doctor Monochrome. I'm, I just let me just get no, my no, no, no. <laughs> I, I was just, I was expecting a certain. Thing to happen or a series of questions to come about, and they didn't. Then moving past that, that is fine. All right, cool. So during that time, like you're hitting your stride with the with the label releases, what, what aesthetic were you shooting for with your release? With you know, like I said, moving up to 2016 with Elucid at that time. Um, you, I guess you're starting. Hold on, I'm in 2016. That's when Save Me Soul dropped, right? No, what? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Nope. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. I'm just doing that that first batch. So nope. from sorry. I had, to I had to really put my head. I had to really think about it. You're right. That's 2016. Yeah, right. and history will absolve me was 2013 or 11. Yeah. Okay. So, like during that period of time, now now that you're hitting your stride with the label, what what aesthetic are you shooting for? Sonically, the look, or what do you what do you what do you got going? What are you thinking? Well, I guess it would depend what you mean by hitting stride. But I'm just going to accept that as being the case. And in okay. your question, at that point, um, 
in a macro look, I'm thinking um, if we can get some other sort of successful acts going, that will be big because um, all we've really done so far since reorganizing and sort of changing the way that we were doing everything uh, is we've managed to sort of go from, you know, uh, the brink of dissolution to, okay, Billy Wood's small fan base seems to be growing incrementally. And, hey, we even did a 300 run of vinyl with the Bockhead record and moved them. Like, we actually were surprised how quickly um, they moved. And, uh probably rightly so, did not factor in how much even that was just as a Bockhead's involvement, Aesop to in a feature. But um, yeah, after that, I guess I'm just thinking if we have another actor, obviously the label, you want to not have all your eggs in one basket unless that basket is doing something more than just staying afloat. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, um I guess at that point I was mostly interested in just building up our releases um and really avoiding I was cognizant of trying to avoid some of the situations that had happened before. Um okay. and um and as the aesthetically uh you know, I didn't have any defined criteria except I really wanted um I really wanted the artwork to be the way I wanted it on the records. Um and I felt like started had started to get the artwork where I wanted it to be towards the end of our previous incarnation and um and then starting with history absolved me, I felt like all right, these are the type of the type of artwork and covers I want to have. And it's funny because one of the last times anyone talked me into a compromise on any art was uh, putting the words on um, on the History of Absolve Me cover. Uh, you didn't want any words on that at first? No, I didn't want to put any words on that. Um, mm, interesting. And, um, and yeah, and I did. And then, amazingly, when we actually pressed the vinyl, I left it like that, which I don't know why. But when that record gets repressed again, I cannot wait to see it without words on it. <laughs> without words. Uh, right, well, yeah, so turned out the time when we start working with, with, with Elucid, I'm just a person who's really, really, really a huge, uh, just have become a big fan of his work. And uh, I'm just trying to put together the best album possible. I remember he came to me and was, because we were talking about the album, working on the album, you know, and I was like, let me help put things together. And at one point he was like, I actually think I just want to produce the whole album. Ooh. Oh, so that came like, later. That was an initial thought. I was That's like, how you started. I was like, we had a couple of discussions. I remember the last one. I was like, no, man, listen, you can, you, you you should produce some joints on here and then the next one or whatever you know then take over the production mm-hmm. um 
but I was really, I managed to talk him for better or worse into, uh, I think for better, but obviously he's a great producer. It wasn't that, but I felt like, um, I felt like uh, he might be taking on too much too early, you know? Um, and then we get those great small There's definitely been rappers or... sometimes, I thought, who uh, some part of their some part of their creative energies as in terms of writing and putting together records was taken away by deciding to do more production. Mm. And um, I just felt like, Hey, you, that opportunity will be there to do a whole album, but that's a lot to put on here. Like quote unquote debut in my mm. mind, you know, um, that and convincing him to put, uh, blame the devil on the record oh. were probably my two greatest contributions because <laughs> he really he felt like that was old. He didn't want to. He didn't want to. Great record. But I was like, yeah, I was like, hey, what do you come on, man? No, it's got to be on there. <laughs> got to be. It's got to have this proper. Got to be. It's got to be the title. Everything. Got to be. Oh, that was a great record. All right, gentlemen. Any additional? Um, I'm interested in the... Uh... I guess also I would say, the last thing I would say is that at that point, also, Willie Green and I have been working together for a while. Hell and yeah. I really... That mm-hmm. was where I was like, yo, this is the person I need to be working with on just all the stuff I'm doing. Hell yeah. That's a great... great I'm, glad, I'm just glad you um, name dropped and we're going to bring him up too. But Willie Green is definitely like, you know, the nervous system of backwards, the way he's... He's an incredible talent. So I'm, I'm just... I'm glad we got him. He's one of those guys you're glad he's on your team. Really glad, so, you know. You mentioned something about like the artwork, getting the artwork where you wanted it. Do you do you have somebody in house that does all the artwork, or is that something you do, or each artist does? How does that work with the label? Like, is there an, a certain like aesthetic that you guys are going through with um, putting together the artwork and like the packaging and things like that? Uh, obviously, there's more records now, and there's more people's opinions. Um, but I feel like. Uh, I am the person who, um, it really depends on the record. That's the, you know, like if you said, oh, well, Fielded's record, she had a very strong idea of what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. We all talked about it. Um, I was like, here's the photographers and other people I know. She had people she wanted to work with on it. You know, she had a very self-sufficient thing. And we lent in terms of um, having additional designer, my partner, um phantom power did a lot of work on um helping to do the design with the designer that field it had um there's other situations where uh like henry canyon's all of his artwork he's Just had Woo, he's got good ass artwork man all of his artwork he's usually come to the table with he really tends to come to the table with a finished or close to finished product um and um then there's uh then there's stuff where you know it's been more of uh i would say i'm definitely the arbiter of what uh for the ones we're doing i'm definitely the arbiter of what the idea is a lot of time or at least who they're entrusted to and i'm the person who goes back and forth about the aesthetics or you know, goes looking for what something is going to be. Um, 
But yeah, it really it really depends on the project. For Billy Woods projects, I don't like any uh I don't like words on the cover. Um it just seems unnecessary if you did all that work to get a good picture, you know. Um unless you find ways to incorporate it, which you know there have been like uh the known unknowns and hiding places covers. Yeah. Um, like the names and of the artwork and the collaborate and the artists, uh, the names of the artists and the album are incorporated into the artwork in a way that's sort of, it's part of the artwork, not like written on top, you know, but that's just for my particular taste. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the artists and designers we work with um, some of them are have, some of them are friends of mine who are also great designers and um, so we've worked with like PM designs for a lot of projects we worked with ashes 57 for a lot of things because you know they're friends of mine I know them they um, have always been generous and reasonable with their services and done good jobs um, and then the artwork itself it really run. It really has run the gamut, you know. Um, there's somebody like that guy Keely Yuyan's pictures for Terror Management was somebody whose work I came across in a totally different realm of life, and just um, I, I, it was what I needed for that project. And he was a really cool guy, and it was easy to get done. To um, something like Brass, where me and Kame and um, really went back and forth with a lot of ideas and then uh, uh, Ashes 57 um, and I sat down and really <clears throat> went about trying to find ways to make those ideas reality, you know? Um, so it can go all kinds of ways. Shouts to Shane, great Shane. Friend, great photographer. Shane already. Shane Ingersoll, yeah, he's shouts to Shane. A, he's done a bunch of things. Or um, um, Gray B. Myra Musgrove did uh, some of my favorite artwork. Or then you have the Hiding Places cover um, that we ended up using, which uh, came about the basic Hiding Places cover, or I should say the regular edition with the house, the became the most iconic um, came about after I'd initially planned on shooting an actual house in Brooklyn mm. from the street. Um, one that ended up being in the video for SpongeBob. Um, as I walked past it all the time and it just sort of captured my imagination and um, some of the other circumstances that were swirling. And uh, Alex was supposed to shoot that cover, but we just couldn't make it happen schedule wise. Mm. And, um, and so I ended up just looking for a house, found that picture, contacted the photographers, worked something out, and went with it. And um, so there have been there have been all sorts of ways. And then yeah, with Myra, it was more of a situation of me and her discussing what I was trying to do. And it's still one of my favorite album of my album artwork is uh, is that <clears throat> one of a hundred the yellow vinyl. With the, oh, the, the hiding um, places, with the insert, all handmade. It's really awesome. Okay. Uh, I don't think I've, I think I haven't seen that one. I thought, no, I think you yeah, have. Yeah, insert with uh, 
with like a board game kind of with all the characters from the song and um mm. and uh the wolf grandma wolf on the back side of it it's really good nice yo i wanted to ask you man the we we me and Kasha were talking today i think we were talking about the lp on uh on mike eagle pod and talking fun crusher plus and then you know company flow and then jux and all that and then um we said like offhand that jux jux could have potentially lived a bit longer if they would have got you as an artist because between you and elucid and then you know you guys are solo cast and then arm and hammer you fucking guys are dropping every single year and we were saying like how you know no shots to anybody on later era dev jokes records but the it, like like the like the like the like the G League cats coming up the ranks weren't hitting next like the, all the temp. There wasn't dudes. really overlap like that though, and I mean at the at the level that they were at to stay afloat, they needed something else than right. what was going to be brought by what I was doing or anything. At, well, at we that were just time. saying like how you guys are on it, and what what I'm wondering then is uh, have it. you have you decided. Is it is it like a is it a business decision? Is it an inspiration decision to put out a record every year, every nine months, every eight months, every six months? No, I really I I see this is one of the things I think is interesting because people are like so much and I mean I haven't done a solo album for two years. Mm. You know. Um, <clears throat> so to a certain extent um well it's definitely important that the label puts out music or whatever but you know especially last year and to some extent the year before we had represses and stuff that we did that were good for the label and for business and fun to do uh, to be able to bring the instrumentals to the table or repress a record like shit don't rhyme no more that hadn't been on not repress press it something that um Elucid had initially put out himself and we took it and remastered it and were added some tracks and were able to present it on vinyl in a new form or things like that um, that aren't necessarily like you just did them. You're, you're reimagining past work. As far as new records, um, nah, I, don't, I don't really have any schedule like that for myself and I would say that I've been done a big favor by the fact of... Uh, being able to do some collaborative things because uh, um, obviously it's not as, or maybe it's not obvious, but um, I feel like there's a lot that uh, if you're one of those people who's putting out three solo albums a year for, you know, I, I can't even imagine it. That's a lot of, um, a lot of energy and, uh, and a lot of creative creativity to just come up with by yourself uh at least in some of these collaborative projects um uh, that i've been involved in you know it's like um obviously a, a significant workload in, in terms of running the label and making sure you're delivering these projects and getting everything right but as an artist um although there's lots of challenges and there's never any slacking it is a little bit different than just sitting there and coming up with solo album after solo album that's, that that would be really hard. I mean, you see, there's definitely artists who are dropping 
some type of project every four months and I, right. I and who are solo artists and I'm often amazed. <laughs> because we were saying like the back then, you know, the, it, it wasn't the climate yet to just pump out mad shit. So it'd be like four years between the LP record, which was pretty standard for people. But when it's mm-hmm. like L is also one of the top two, three artists on the whole label, then Aesop is on a three, four year schedule. You know, where you guys, it's like, here's an Elucid album, here's an Armin Hammer record, here's a Woods album, here's a Woods album, here's an Armin Hammer. Here's, but you know that's I mean? the thing. It's awesome. We haven't had an Elucid album since the one you talked about. Right. Uh, it just, it just, um, it, what it does 2016. Is, yeah, or what whatever. Does is what was it, 2016? <clears throat> 2016. The label right. puts up. Yeah. A good, but most of those other records, massage. Elucid did, I guess we did, um, I mean, did we even really do. Uh, the South Africa one, all I remember is giving him the camera <laughs> and being like, we got to shoot, you got to shoot this video while you're out there. Um, maybe we put, maybe we did put that out actually, but yeah, put that as out, far but... as a full LP, it was, it was save yourself. I mean, I'm getting ready for another Lucid album, Ooh. but um, a lot of it is also artists are prolific in all the things they're doing all over the place, you know? Right. right. Lucid has put out a lot of projects. More Mother put out a lot of projects. Yeah. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't even put out a lot of projects. <laughs> Indeed. I, I, re- I feel like not, obviously, not if you're a fan of mine, you're not starving or anything, but right. um, there's people out at. here doing, there's people out here doing more than that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And the other I mean, Just the other year, that. Lucid had Elucid had that no edge ups in Uganda. Or Shasta the, Hodge. I forget Shasta what the Hodge. second one. He had the Hodge horse, record. Horse Latitude. Had, uh, mm-hmm. Horse Latitude. Yeah, he had that too. He had that Bernadette no movie that. score. Yep. Um, yeah, I think he had done that that year. He did the. Um, he did. Uh, Nostrum, right? Nostrum. He did Nostrum. Was that, that the same year? year? I feel like all it was. that stuff was the same year. Yeah. He went crazy when he was on. I, th- I think that like I think that was when the baby was coming. He was like shit. <laughs> this baby. I, I, all I know is that um, and, and then last year, more mother, I I believe, had something like ten quote unquote projects of some sort. Right. Right. You know, which ranges across a, a lot of genres and right because she, not she's saying ten albums, but um, but yeah, people people do a lot. Shit. Yo, why why don't yeah why don't we take our next break and then uh come back and talk backwood studio label history brought to you by red stripe brewing company we'll be back gosh we need some fucking sponsors like real ones i'm running i'm running out of corny ass we're running out of fake commercials itt tech i'm gonna call itt tech and see if build a car engine in four months itt tech stimulus pack shablam shablam Are the four elements keeping you down? Do you find yourself cutting your fingers every time you work on a flyer or an insert? Are you tired of being asked to boost your ads or buy ad space? Well, the boys at Griff Company, we have the solution for you. Now, all jokes aside, this is Wrecking Crew Consultation. If you think that you're hip-hop career can use a battery burst do you feel like you want to have some type of counsel and a soundboard 
or do you just need a good old pep talk? We can help you out here. Zilla Rocca and myself, Curly Castro, we are offering our consulting services at nominal fees. So if that's something you're interested in, shoot us an email, give us a call, and we'll help you out. Tell me, when was the first time you fell in love with hip-hop? <laughs> Yo, what up? It's Alex Ludovico, and I'm inviting you to check out, as of Friday, April 2nd, my new compilation, Cocaine and Therapy, executive produced by my man, the god, Zilla Rocca. Available only at insubordinaterecords.com. Don't go to streaming, don't go to your little Apple or Spotify. Insubordinaterecords.com. Check out the merch for the record, and then check out Zilla's dope merch that's coming out with it. It's a combination release between Insubordinate and $3 Pistol. Peace. Wish I was a little bit cooler. Wish I was a hooper. Wish I had a girl that looked good. I could scoop her in a sick whip with a floor kit. I ain't got shit. Oh damn, I'm a loser. Wish I was a little bit cooler. Wish I was a hooper. Wish I had a girl that looked good. I could scoop her in a sick whip with a floor kit. I ain't got shit. Oh damn, I'm a loser. This is for all my nerds. Don't cry. This is a blast. This is a blast. This is a blah. Boom. This is a blah. Boom. This is a blah. Boom. Blah. Blah. Boom. Back, y'all. I start saying it around my son all the time now, where I'll be like, "Oh, he says she blah." Doesn't he say when he hears my voice? You, you know, you know, you know. Well, he he knows your voice, but he, you know, what song he's really into now um, is because <laughs> when I pick him up, I'll have like random unless because you'll be on the phone you'll be cursing and i made time to tell you like don't curse and you curse yeah. you'll be like this motherfucker it. said i'm like yo chill i'm like i got a, I got a kid in the car and then we have that awkward pause I'm yeah like, okay maybe so then uh, i'll have like the oldies station which is now like 80s music so mm-hmm. <laughs> the song he's like responding to is that fucking what's it alaska what's that dude jay Giles band what's that dude jay giles band jay giles band it's all about catching his high school sweetheart in a fucking penthouse magazine and whacking off about it but feeling kind of fucked up that she's in there beauty yeah so like he likes that shit and he likes to fucking he plays roblox and there's a um there's a the a my Sharona, you know, the, the weird owl joint. My Bologna. Bologna. So he'll be playing Ro- Roblox. That song's on the background. I'm like, why the fuck are they playing Weird Al to Roblox? I'm like, this shit is my I'm still kind of amazed. And I always tell people that daytime radio or any radio plays throat babies in the rotation. Wait, what's they say it throat babies? The fuck is throat babies? Throat babies. It's a song. You know what throat babies are, and that's a main. They play it all the time. Throat babies. Who sings that? Some weirdo, some modern day young kid rapper, but everybody knows that the kids sing it. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are they saying? Because I couldn't understand it because it was so high pitched at first. And I said, is he saying throat baby? But it's it's a regular song. It's on like a salt and pepper song would be on. Throat babies. It's just. Yeah, Alaska was going to add something interesting here. I was just going to say, like you were saying about Roblox, like my daughter, like she gets all the old shit from um, TikTok. And she's like, oh, there's this TikTok sound. It's not even like it's a song, it's a sound. The the crew, the label. It'll be like walking on sunshine. (laughs) Like, oh, you mean that song? And and TikTok chopping up your songs because you only need a minute. So it's, 
Yeah, but you're not even getting this anyway. But it, it exposes because kids ain't sitting by the fucking radio finding songs. They're playing Roblox yeah. and TikTok and all that shit. Man, speaking of Jay Galsman, I remember being a kid, like probably not much older than your son, sitting there with my my little brother's Fisher Price, my first like cassette player, right, and mm-hmm. holding that shit up to the radio, listening to Casey Case, I'm waiting for Centerfold to come on. So here we have the Beauty in the Centerfold about whacking yeah. off to your high school sweetheart up seven slots on the Casey Kasem, whatever the fuck it was. Horrible, horrible. I love my childhood. All right, Z, you said you had a question. All right, for, there's my for question for Woods. So. It Castro kind of cracked it open a bit about, you know, essentially how did you make the decision to put out an elusive record and, and take a chance on him? And then obviously, you know, he's a brilliant, awesome dude. But I wanted to know about two people, if you can keep it like somewhat, uh, I guess, on topic because one of them is on the show. What made you want to fuck with Curly Castro, but also – Henry Canyons, because clearly I know Astro. I never heard Canyons in my life until I forget what record I bought from you, and there was a Canyon Lands like CD wallet in the fucking package, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" And I had like all like these ill like lines, like like there was like all these like 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 tubes. Oh yeah, um, I forget. I can't remember the name of that. It wasn't Canyon Lands. It was something else. No, it's not. Uh, it's the, the one after Canyon Lands. It's like lines or. Yeah, I, I forget. Remember, I know and, then, I and then when Canyons popped up later on uh, today, I wrote nothing. I'm like, oh, this is that dude. He's ill. But I never heard of Canyon. So I, there's some people that had probably never heard of Castro until he linked up with you guys. So what what informed your decision about those two artists? <laughs> mm. Sorry. Mm, don't hurt Go yourself. Somewhere around here. Go on. Um, so... Uh, Henry Canyons I've known for a long time since he was like first starting out young guy um, we met because I did a show back when I was part of Supercron Flight Brothers we did a show in uh, the Pacific Northwest in Portland, Oregon which at the time that was a college show maybe my first real actual college show and um, they like somehow they talked to school like he he was a big part of talking the school into booking us and got flown to Portland and good nice. amount of money. You no know, funny part of this story is uh Macklemore was one of the openers for <laughs> Of course he was. Yeah. Macklemore, we, had him, Macklemore. we had Macklemore open for us in Seattle. Macklemore open for I mean, but I was like for real, no, this is Supercon Flight Brothers days. This is like nineteen ninety eight. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. No. 2000, 2008. Yeah. Yeah. This is like on, on emergency powers. We're riding off emergency powers. So I would say it was probably 2008. Um, and, um, and yeah, so we went out there. Um, I think the other band that the other group that performed the actual headliners might've been, might've been like blue scholars. Maybe. Were they from Portland yes. or Seattle? They were Seattle. Yeah, they were. They, they were Seattle. Scholars. I, I think it was them. Then I think it was Supercron. Then I think it was um, some uh, some other group maybe, and then Macklemore, or wow. Macklemore was right before us. I just remember I did not watch his set. <laughs> um, hmm. No disrespect to Macklemore, obviously. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
I don't know. I still, I still would not watch his set, but that doesn't neither here nor there. So, um, yeah, I've known Henry for a long time and he just put in a lot of work and we always stayed in touch and we're friendly and he started showing, he was always showing me the work he was doing. And, um, uh, he just, um, once he, especially once he started concentrating on doing his own solo thing, uh, just a really talented musician and a person who can rap. Yes. Um, I guess what attracted me or what made me think it would be good to work with him um, was, A, he was talented. And again, I told you I put away a previous calculus I used and started to think a little more critically and carefully. And so it was Mm. like, A, yes, he was talented, but B, he was also very self-driven. He was putting together better videos at the time when we first started fucking with him than I had. Wow. Um, really professional looking videos uh, that he was shooting out in L.A. Um, uh, his music was curated well, and so I felt like he had that aspect of it, and he also was talented. And thirdly, he, was a, he's, he is a genuinely, um, a genuinely good person who's easy to work with and relate to and um, and his company I enjoy. So those three things made it not that complicated. Cause again, if it doesn't work out, at least you can feel good about it. You know, if you do something and you're like the guy, the person's not even that talented or not even that good. I just like them as a person that can be a bad situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the same way, you know, which is sometimes I had people who were doing music who, we were friends and I wanted to do music with them and I could tell they were kind of like, let's just be friends. And, you know, I respected that though, to a certain, of course it hurt, but it's not like everybody who's your friend doesn't need to like give you a record deal or take you on tour or something. Um, it's like a different category and, you know, you have to earn that and I always accepted that. Um, but the fact that Henry checked all of those boxes was pretty important. Um, and, um, and I would say that, uh, I would say that with, with Castro, uh, I was introduced to him really through just all the people that we had around us, um, who knew each other in the small world, knowing each other more and more. And then we really hung out for the first time at South by Southwest. Yeah. Um, and, um, it was probably and, uh, my second or third time going. And he was there. And then we ended up hanging out with his brother and his brother's partner at the time, smoking a lot of weed. And um, <laughs> went to a Rock Marciano show. Or maybe Ooh. Castro didn't come. I think I went to it by myself. Yeah, so I was performing earlier. Yeah, I was watching, I was rock watching rock, rap. It was the only, I swear to God, it was probably like, and this was after me and him had done the song. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I was watching him rap, and um, it, was a, it, was a, it was not anything to be ashamed of, but it was like a modestly packed, smaller space. But he was killing it. He drank a Hennessy out the bottle. Bottle Hennessy. Blows. This is maybe Reload was out. Yeah, yeah. Because we were by I can't remember. I remember that Rock or that uh, that I think Reloaded was out. I remember it was a good show, but he was only he was uh, 
is doing a Jamaican style where it was only doing the first verse of each song. Maybe like fuck that shit, Drake and Henny, and then do the next verse of the others. But it was it was a dope it was a dope set. That and Action Bronson came running in during the set and like smashed me in the back because um, I was near the front. Heavenless <laughs> people were just jumping up and down crazy, and I got basically run over by Action Bronson at the show that day. So uh, <laughs> those are those are the memorable events. Um, but yeah, that day I was the first time I really hung out with Castro. We got along really well. And, um, and after that, just, you know, uh, a lot of collaborations happen in little ways at first and then going on tour for a little bit, doing, playing some gigs, uh, because him and Pram at, by that point had built a real relationship as performers. And we had played some of the same gigs together already, and then um, we went and played some uh, <laughs> some 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 of them very memorable. <laughs> not for not the reasons, man. There's a definitely one in there I will not soon forget. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so in that time period, I got to see one that uh, Castro, very very talented artist, who's willing to always push himself to get better and be a person who I respected, who I enjoyed their company, and who I got along with and felt was reasonable. But Dope. Dope. Oh. Right. Those are my questions. Okay. All right. Um, let's come to the modern day. Back with, and I know you're a modest man, Woods, so you always, you always go, um, even, when, even when I know a project's in the pipeline, you always go, well, you hope you would hope so. That's Wood's favorite phrase. You, you do so. have to hope so, man. There's a, <laughs> I can tell you, there have been a lot of albums that I thought we were putting out that we didn't. If we if we sat down to have that conversation, um, it'd be a different one. I'll say that much. There definitely been plenty of records that, uh, and some of them you didn't put out, and you're still sad about it. And some of them you didn't put out, and you're like, thank God for all parties. We're better off. Yeah. No, I know. I know. There's a story of um, returning. You never know what's gonna happen. All I'm saying is, you just the things I've seen happen in this man. It's a lot. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of things happen, man. I've seen a lot of things happen. I don't, I don't take it for granted. No. All right. With the um, let me just ask you like a state of the game question with the recent. Um, uh, in, uh, the recent explosion of Arm and Hammer exposure with the Alchemist Project and the re the recent Arm and Hammer releases and your releases, my releases. What do you what do you think the state of the label is? Don't forget do more mother. More, brass oh yeah, record. brass. I mean, the, um, honestly, brass was as for a surprise record and um, one that we didn't even have the time to shoot a video for. Uh, Mm. It was really, really well received and um, well supported by our fans, and um, something um, I can at least say everyone at the label was really proud of. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a record. So. It's a hell of a record. I, I tell Kamei the same thing. So, what do what do you think the we state of the label? Follow it up by doing something with the guy who's about to win a Grammy. So, correct. Oh, oh, yeah, hey, about it. Did I just predict the future? A guy who 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 seen you know he he was in that Grammy listing, so it puts a puts another 
No, they're not. Nice little, but, uh, nice but yeah, I feel really proud of, of both those records. And I feel um, I feel really proud. Honestly, not not even any exaggeration. I'm really proud of that fielded remix record that we did oh, in between. It was no small. It, it was no small amount of work. Getting a whole album remix like that, um, we all work very hard, and um, and uh, I, I, and I think it sounds great. So anyway, go ahead. No, indeed. So what is your what is your feeling on the state of the label? Like, how do you feel currently these days? Obviously, doing pretty doing pretty well for what it, for what <laughs> we are. We're doing pretty well, I think. You know. Um, it's been interesting to see the reaction and uh, definitely some people have called and text or messaged me in ways uh, that were very, very rewarding <clears throat> as an artist um, and as a business person and a creative, it's rewarding to be recognized by your peers and, um, nice. and yeah, it feels obviously as a business owner, it feels well for, it's nice when business goes well, you know, a lot goes into it. And, um, I always felt like one thing I wanted us to do was I always bet on, you know, bet on on what we're doing and really just try to say, hey, you know, if we're doing it, let's do it. And then if it loses money, then it loses money and not, not, not you know, try to make smart decisions and make, put records in a position to be successful. Um, but also be willing to push for things, and um, and I think we I think we found that balance for the most part, you know, like being smart about things, but also trying to be ambitious. And um, I like to think if I was on this label, and you know, now every release it, it has its own narrative, you know, but um, and its own needs and level of resources that have been invested, and that's level of return that has to be found, but. Um, where there is that attention and, and, you know, if we have a conversation about what we're going to do, that's what we're going to do. I'm not going to tell you, oh, we're going to do this, that, and the third, and then not do it, you know, or not try, which, um, in the old, old days when I was just starting, people would tell you all sorts of things. And then you'd be like, I can't even call the head of the label that supposedly distributes our records or something. You'd like, literally can't reach the guy on the phone or get an answer to an email. Um, and, uh, obviously we're, we're pretty busy right now, but I like to think that if you're an artist who's worked with us, at least you, you can get the lay of the land. You can have conversations and you can feel like if we took the time to do a project, we followed through on what we said we were going to do with it. And I want to test ladies and gentlemen, that this is true. If I hit up my label head, they do call me within the day, but sometimes not right back. <laughs> yeah, maybe not always in the day, but, you know, reasonable. Everybody doesn't call me back in the day. <laughs> not you. I'm just saying, um, yeah, that is really uh, my focus. And, you know, that people's finances, uh, that there's transparency um and with people's finances and that we're on schedule with um with paying people their money mm -hmm. and i can attest to that that is very much a standard at backward studios it's important that. That, you know everybody's working hard it's important that you know where the money went and where you're getting it and 
all of those things. So, um, other than that, I, you know, I don't know, man, we haven't been back to the road. The venues haven't opened back up. It's been a busy year. Right now I'd say we're doing well. We got a, we got a whole year ahead of us and there's a lot of different projects in the works and, um, have to see where the chips fall, but, uh, we skipped over Any, the battle, um, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but I can assure you that they were worse than now. So, you know, I'm not complaining too much. Any, um, any Easter eggs you could drop for the, for the fans what might be coming up this year, or next year for the label. Um, if you can speak on it, you can't. No I mean, I don't know everybody's situations. I know that, um, Kai Solo has been working on a project and we've, we've talked a lot about that. Um, he's a great artist. It's important. Um, I'm excited about it when it, when it's finished. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I would hope that we would, we would get that together and, and have it out this year, but, you know, we'll see. And, um, uh, you know, I, I know that, um, I know that Elucid is going to, they have every intention of delivering an elusive uh, album and a, sort of a, a follow-up to Save Yourself only in the sense that it would be our first from the ground up record with him since then. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's done a ton of stuff since then, but um, as far as me being able to put on my A&R hat and really sit and try to be of an assistance to him, it would be uh, it would be our first time since then. And so, yeah, that's been underway. Um, uh, I think that the Shrapnel members have been working together and independently. Mm. And I've uh, heard some, some good things. So, you know, I think we have that happening. Um, Messiah Music and Def C have some interesting things happening that yeah. uh, I think we're, I think we'll, we'll see at some point. Um, but, yeah, I, I also think that we'll see a Rome repress. Look at that funk master flex bomb sound. The artwork, the artwork looks really. The additional artwork looks really cool, which is uh, which is nice, and I, I think it'll be dope to get that record back out there. Boom, 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 boom. I'm curious to see what the ALC records version of Haram will be like. Uh, yeah. You're going to have evidence maybe, on maybe there a, and Action Bronson and Styles P? That's going to be crazy. And it'll be like a glazed pig. Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn and Lucid going back and forth like Styles P and Jada. That's going to be crazy. Action probably should give me a verse, man. He rammed. I mean, I got run over at that rock show. <laughs> he did. He, he owes you. He, you know, he and little, that's when he was big. Little, and that's when he was big. I'm a little guy, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a small man. You know? uh, <laughs> it was... It was, it was uh, uh, you know, I went flying, man, in front of rock. Like, I should, I should get a verse for that. I just, you know. All right, last question, Woods. Woods, uh, who is your NBA MVP this year, and why is it Joel Embiid? Oh man, I, I got to tell you, man. Um, <laughs> I have actually watched. I didn't really watch much NBA last year. And the year before that was on and off, especially compared to my previous. I feel like Tim Duncan's retirement really, really took 20% out of my viewing time out by then. 
went down. And no, it's, and Greg it's Popovich doesn't even feel this bad. <laughs> it's interesting too because I watched uh, because my my interest in the NFL um, no uh, nothing to do with it to say nothing of its standards and society or anything else. Just my love for the game of football remains unabated, even though. They're playing a lot of shenanigans with football now, man. I, I watch the game. I, what, what's going on? But sometimes I, watch about football, games. sometimes I watch NBA games. We can definitely talk about football, man. I just got um, one quick sometimes question. I watch me. NBA games, and I'm like, the three-point contest aspect gets a little boring, man. Not when you're watching the – listen, not when you're watching a great, but like an average regular season game now. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. It's a, Sam, that's why you got to watch the Sixers. We're 28th. We're, we're 28th, we're 28th so, in three-point attempts. We're, we're old school, dog. We're, it's, we're a back. Lot we're of, it's a this lot year. of – it's a lot of bricks. Yes. There's <laughs> a, a lot of long bricks, man. Hey, man. It's, uh-huh. it's more and bricks it's funny than the people, Griselda family songs. <laughs> in both in both in both sports, people used to mock the college version. Pro fans used to mock the college yep. version, and now they make so much. I remember when I used to be like, "Man, college basketball is just three driving pointer kick. layup, driving kick, driving kick, mm-hmm. three pointer layup, zone defense, like this back is, cut." Yep, you know, obviously without the. To be totally fair, nowhere near the level of scoring that happens in the NBA. You know, these are the days of like. You know, forty-seven to fifty-one. Yes. College yeah. basketball. Yeah. Me and Cash were with the Temple. We know that. That was you know, that was a, that was a nice game. Championships. Forty-seven you know, to forty-eight games. Um, Thirty-eight, thirty-nine games. Temple big versus St. Joe's. St. Joe's. Fuck that. Big five. But, uh, although there's some really incredible individual players, um, I haven't been as able to get into the regular season games I've been watching this year as in the past. Maybe that will change. The playoffs will be here soon. We'll see. I haven't watched a ton. I definitely have um, have seen some ugly three-point layup contests. Um, you know, it is what it is. Also, all of my least favorite players have coalesced onto one team. So <laughs> I'm watching the playoffs, and maybe that will um, maybe that will allow me to you know fully appreciate that, where I might just enjoy watching the Nets lose or whatever. Well, right right before we recorded, I text I text the Wrecking Crew group thread being like. I truly hate watching LaMarcus Aldridge play basketball. He's my least favorite. Player. Oh my He's god. Hold on. Can so... we get into that? Yo, LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh man. <laughs> Yo, your man, your man trying to be the next Tim Duncan. Your man trying let, to take let, that title. Athletic or whatever YouTube channel wants to let me do a deep dive on the story of LaMarcus Aldridge. Please Number tell just let me know, man. Because how he how he negatively impacted the port, uh, both <laughs> Portland and him. San Antonio, two teams that I love. is really, it's really amazing. It reminds me of um, when the when I was first a Blazers fan, and they decided to get Rod Strickland for a reason that will never be understood by me, <laughs> and um, just help grind a great team to a halt. When Stoudemire <laughs> sitting on the bench watching a guy with no jumper. <laughs> Lead That's a team that had scorers everywhere. You hurt my heart. You hurt my heart talking about Strickland. Yeah, you know, you know what? what was you, you said to me years ago? What you said to me years ago? You were yeah, like, Lamarcus you said, Aldridge. Is, Lamarcus Aldridge. I used to listen. Listen. <laughs> um, 
Woods. You said Marcus the name. Aldridge. Oh, you're killing me. Lamarcus Aldridge is a is a is a um, he is just a uh, he is a plague has been a plague on my basketball <laughs> enjoyment. Uh, when I when I when I first really became aware of his existence, I was dating a woman from Portland, and I watched these Lamarcus Aldridge play a lot. Big NBA fan. You poor best. I watched him play a lot. And it was oh, like him and Nick Batum were on the same team, so you don't even know. <laughs> Number eighty-eight. Number eighty-eight. And they Nick were Batum. they were the future of the team. Now that Brandon Roy's career had had yep. uh, ground to a halt. No pre pre, pre Lillard. Pre Lillard. Um, yeah. And Odin was already gone then. Yeah. Odin yeah, was already into the dustbin of Portland draft failures. And um, <laughs> and Batum Aldridge. Uh man, I'm forgetting Napier? somebody was else. Was Napier on that team yet? No, he wasn't. No, 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 not yet, not yet. Um, anyway, the main point is that I used to watch games, and I realized that like Lamarcus Aldridge's play did not change the. He couldn't change the outcome of a game, whether he scored <laughs> or not. It was like his points occurred in an alternate universe <laughs> that didn't affect the actual game that you were watching. Um, he just. He takes the shot, it goes in there, it doesn't, and nothing else happens. So it's like LaMarcus Aldridge could get 32, and you would feel as though he never really weighed in on the outcome of the game in any significant way. Mm-hmm. Um, he could get 18, it wouldn't matter, which was interesting because it actually did matter if Nicholas Batum scored, but of course, <laughs> Nicholas Batum's <laughs> point never took place in, in reality. And they were extremely inconsistent. Was you know what it reminds me of? Years ago, you said to me, you were like, the track uh, masters. To the Spurs, man. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Never Before been that. a worse day, man. Never <laughs> been a worse day. <laughs> Never been a worse day. Dude, let me say this. Because Alaska wants to ask you about football real quick. But I want to say, you said to me years ago when I was in New York, you were like, the track masters are the least influential producers of all time. And as Marcus Aldridge, he is the least influential. Like, he was the most courted free agent that year when the Spurs got him. Like, people were going crazy to side this motherfucker because he was making them random all-star teams. He made random all-star teams on the Spurs. But the minute they he, didn't actually like, watch the games. Right. With the they minute he retires, the when the, the minute he retires, he will have left no mark on any sport, any, any city, squad, any not the squad, game, yeah. not the position. It will be like he never played a game, much like the track masters. It'll be like it is it he, is like he never Texas. played. If he yeah. just if the NBA if he, he never played in the league. Everything would be the same. <laughs> <It's> exactly. <laughs> He's a track master. You look back, like, oh, the track masters did that anyway. Who and could? he could, he could potentially make the Hall of Fame. No, God, no. Go ahead, Alaska. All right, Alaska, hit him with the football Alaska shit. With well, let, let me just make sure something for you. You're, you're a Chicago Bears fan, right? Am yeah. I imagining that? Yep. Yeah. Yo, you're How, correct. Bye. Are you are you happy that you dodged the Sam Darnold bullet? Oh yeah, we got rid of that. Um, because there was a lot of rumors that he was going to Chicago. We got Andy That's Dalton. A good dog. question. My answer would be multifaceted, which would be that um, I'm not sure that he couldn't be good. And if we had a he different, if we had a different, if we if we had a different um, coaching staff and front office and team, I could imagine a scenario in which I would have greeted a low cost 
What they gave up was a little much, but I could have greeted that sort of a move with some level of positivity. But um, given the people that we're actually working with, uh, I don't think that it would have been any good because their coach is just one of the worst play callers in the league. I don't. It's amazing that he's even doing what he's doing because he's shown no proficiency at all, ever. Um, and uh, he just calls games at random. He's another person who sees that that what his decisions take place in an alternate universe that they just result in the same outcome every game, no matter what he does. Um, and uh, our GM is uh, one of the most inept people to ever be employed by the Bears. I, he's not like I guess maybe not the most inept, but just so underwhelming and the most important decisions he makes are always failures. And then he also manages to make little decisions that just open holes. They're big holes. And then he opens little holes every season through smaller decisions as well. He's bad. So in that context, I just want them to do as little damage to our future draft picks and our team composition and, money that we're going to owe to their bad players that pace picks up um, as possible when both of them are fired next year, which is a foregone conclusion. Correct. You dodged a bullet. Um, I'm going to tell you that right now. We finally got rid I of mean, by signing Andy Dalton from when oh, we could have had Andy like Dalton Andy. for half the money last year. I mean, they love is Andy Dalton, I mean, what, are, what are you going to do with Foles now? It's just, it's, even right now, both of them, both of them are light years better than Sam Donald. Um, yeah, I, I just they showed they showed Sam Donald's first professional pass. It went for um, it went for seven points. For the so other one of the things there's, there's a Sam Donald like rehabilitation thing going on where they're showing like ten ten or so plays of his that look amazing, where like he's running all over the field and then he like lasers a pass you know, across his body to somebody who's wide open. But the thing they don't tell you is that all these plays happen in garbage time when they're down 20 points. Mm. So it's second, second stringers. And he did that three times earlier in the game and they were all, all were interceptions. Well, I guess the thing that I would say that you could defend Darnold is the team was really so really bad bereft of offensive talent that yeah. it's understandable that you could be like, hey, we don't even know what this person will look like if they actually get around some decent players. That's yeah. it. I agree. Sam Darnold has done almost nothing to show that he will do anything. No, exactly. He still has no footwork. The possibility he remains because he's not, it's not one of those situations where you're like, oh, when he went out and they brought the backup in, the backup was killing it. Joe Flacco kind of did this year compared to Sam Donald. Even if that were the case, I'd be like, for a brief <laughs> period of time, a veteran QB was able to outshine a struggling confidence damage. I mean, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I'm just very happy that he's gone. I'm just saying how you can talk to yourself into it. How you could talk yourself into it, I can see. It. Oh, you could definitely. I can see how you could talk yourself into it. He's twenty three. He's been in a shitty system, mm. but you he know, also runs runs out of bounds. Yeah, but, 
three yards behind the line of scrimmage instead of throwing the ball away in year three. Hold on, no. You cannot say that to a Chicago Bears fan because that was literally Miss Trubisky's trademark <laughs> move. Oh, my God. It's, I mean, it's, the guy just dumb as bricks. Really, what's the story? Um, Darnold, I also didn't like at USC, so I didn't think it was yeah. terrible, but he was no, like golf. Like- no, yeah, I, I exactly. Never, I saw I watched golf play in college football because he, he played Oregon, and I watched golf play Oregon, and never was like this guy is amazing. Hmm. His arm came kind of noodly. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of Chad Pennington in him. Oof! Oh my! Oof! You know, you don't, you don't have to defend ten, keep it at ten yards. That's where cash that's was like Chad that's had a little. Pennington. I feel like Chad had a little bit more fortitude, though. He was a, he was a gamer. Chad I mean, had Chad a lot of smarts. After his arm strength was gone, he continued to be able to play in the league and be Miami. effective at points. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was never going to get Miami. you beyond the first round of the playoffs. Whereas right. golf had right. all, but golf had all the all the he had a whole. He had a really good team all around him. Yeah. Um. In that situation, but, but yeah, Chad kind, had kind really good teams around him too. Chad had did a yeah, team. Um, yeah. Those were good Jets teams. I just feel like um, nowadays Curtis, in the NFL, Curtis it's was much with Chad, better. right? What's Curtis that? Was with Chad. Curtis, Curtis was, was with Chad. Right? He had a real good O line. I mean, it's a team that today's NFL is easier for quarterbacks, though, in some ways. Yeah, it's oh, much totally, easier. Totally. I mean, right, let's you don't um, run the ball as much, so you have more weight on you to up with plays but at the same time you're not just getting smashed every play um they let the offensive linemen hold a little bit more yeah coaches everything in the system is revolved around you know like golf had all those stats and they've got all these pre-planned plays the coaches helping you read the defense in your headset or at least when golf first started it they they were letting them do that yeah um you got all types of tunnel screens and ways to accumulate easy yards, um, uh, zone read stuff. Well, yeah, but really make the transition easier for college quarterbacks compared to when it used to be considered, hey, you're going to get to the NFL and it's the system and verbiage, everything's going to be completely yeah. different. You know, you're if you sit come for from a year or two behind it, yeah, that. you're going to have to. Learn how to take snap under center. Now it's like everybody's in a shotgun, college football type system. Well, I mean, it's such a benefit to have a, a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract because you could just do so much. Yeah, I really hope the Bears don't draft a QB either. Just please right. get it, get this season out. Just. Just get this season over with and go somewhere and die. Let's, let's have our draft picks next year because I know that the guys tried to trade everything they had for Russell Wilson, and it's like, didn't we already do this with Jay Cutler? Yeah. Uh, we'll just get a good quarterback and deposit him on a team with no no, no nope. picks in the future and not enough players to win and no yeah. blocking. Nope. And Jay Cutler was like 10 years younger than Russell Wilson too, right? Yeah. Yes, he also he wasn't as good as Russell Wilson. But. No, that's true. He was not as good as Russell Wilson. That's my man right there. Jay Russell was Wilson or Smoking Jay? Wait, what? Who, you said that's your man? Russell, no, Russell said, Wilson or Smoking Cutler on the Bears. He's the, he's the best Bears quarterback of, of all time forever, without a question. <laughs> he said uh, forever. So, <laughs> like, okay, so they, will never, they will never get anyone okay. better than him, period. So he we was, close up he was good, that. though. Okay. 
He was that's the, dope, yeah. Castro's All right. That's dope. wonderful. What's he mad about? Uh, I'm not mad. I'm just, uh, that's just enough for me. smashed his girl. What's going on? That's, that's, that's more than enough for me. Um, all the football <laughs> talk. Like, my head's ringing. Okay. Um, no, that's, that's, that's what we got tonight. Thank you, uh, Billy Woods. Man, I'm glad I could help. Thank you for inviting me on. Guys. So four time Castro, who is this four time champ? Who would who would uh, what's be? Um, four time champ, that mm-hmm. would be um, it'd either be BJ Armstrong, I think. No, nah, BJ didn't win yeah. four. No, BJ don't have four, he has three. He didn't have four. One like of them Fox? stayed on. He might have got one on a bench no. somewhere. I Fox got it. the um, Fox got the uh, three with LA. Yeah, he didn't get Ori. Or, well, he's got Ori seven. Got seven. Oh wow! Okay, never mind. Um, oh, Steve Kerr. <laughs> Steve Kerr has four. I think we use Steve Kerr, Kerr for four. someone else though. But sure, that, that works. Uh, we might use Kerr for like gang or something. Maybe shit. John Sally. Where John did Sally. Kerr get Sally. the other one? He um when he Kerr oh, got John two Sally has five. Five oh, rings. Please. John Sally. It's a Sally. Eclipse. Oh, it's a uh, <laughs> Sally. Ab Liva. Ab Liva talking about his Audi. Great moment. Shouts to Ab. Um, no, Steve have. Kerr got one with um San Antonio. Isn't and, Kobe uh, four? Kobe's four, right? Uh, he's five. Kobe got yeah, five. Four. He got the three peat and the two peat. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm bugging. Mm. Maybe Ron Harper. Ron, Ron Harper. Harper. He might have five too because I think he was there for the repeat. He was there. He was there for both three peats, but he wasn't yeah. there for the full three peat with the Bulls. Well, I'm glad we didn't talk about football for too long. Oh. <laughs> 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 Reminds his memory of Kurt Rambis got four. Jeter? Oh, Kurt Rambis. Horace Grant. He said Jeter. Jeter? (laughs) (laughs) Andy Fox. Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. Charlie Hayes. Tonight we went on a deep dive with back with Yo, man, studio. yo, I'm about to fucking cut you off the show. You just keep saying with this the shit. Label, with the label head, the one and only Billy Woods. Zilla's about to lose backwards. it. And we, um, we glad that everybody tuned in. We hope you taught y'all a little something. And go buy all the backwards catalogs. That's, that's, that's it. it. And great looking vinyl. Many colors. You can put it on your wall. All right. Thank you again. All right, for, uh, guys. Thank you. Have a good night. Right, oh, and then everybody get Haram wherever you can find it. It's like $200. God bless. Good luck. Bye. Later, guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.